The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Blessings. I'm happy to get into the Word with you. I know that God has wonderful things for us. As we examine His Word together, I'm trusting that His Spirit will be moving, uh, leading us, guiding us, revealing to us the truth that we need uh, to walk in His will. I want to get into the Word, and as we do that, I want to offer you things that we can look forward to together. These are just a few things that we can find as we uh, go through the Scripture together. I want to encourage you, though, as you uh, uh, receive the Word, that you would receive the word by opening up your Bible, turning to scriptures. If you have some note-taking materials, you can take those things out. Uh, write down the things that we discover together in the word. Write down the feelings, the thoughts, the questions, the impressions that you have. Record those things and let's trust and believe that Jesus will lead us and guide us into truth together. Uh, I want to give you a few things that we're going to look forward to. Uh, one of those things, we're going to uncover Satan's plan. Now, we have an enemy, and he has a strategy to bring down the will of God from happening or occurring or coming to pass in our lives. He's got a plan to see to it that we don't accomplish what God has equipped us and called us and appointed us to accomplish. We're going to unmask his plan so that we can be wise in how we live and how we function. Another thing that we're going to find is how to close the door to sin. Now, functioning in ministry and just simply being a Christian Myself, struggling with sin issues is a big deal for believers. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of, of other believers where they're constantly wanting to see things that they don't want in their life removed, but it's a challenge for them. I want to look at a passage of Scripture that might be very helpful to us as we respond to that challenge, and I believe as we apply a very biblical response to that challenge, we'll get a very heavenly result. A third thing that we're going to find is how to deny Satan opportunities to bring destruction, to bring death, to bring frustration, to bring all of the things that he brings. I mean, if he steals, kills, and destroys, I want to deny him every opportunity I possibly can to bring that theft, to bring that murder and that destruction into my life, and I want to equip you to do the same. So I want to get into the word here. I told you we're going to uncover or unmask Satan's plan. I want to get right into that. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of James. The book of James chapter 1. I want to look at verses 19 and 20. We're going to uncover the devil's plan, but we're going to have to read between the lines a little bit. James chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. It reads like this. Everyone. Now I love that word everyone because it is all inclusive. It's not for some and not for others, but it's all-inclusive. So when we read words like everyone, we know I'm involved in this. This is speaking to me. It's speaking to you. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now that's the part that really stands out to me. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, I know God has plans for you. He's got plans for me, all of us, collectively, congregationally, individually. He has wonderful plans. He has a, a, an idea, a plan, a thought specifically for you and your life, and it's very intentional. You have tremendous purpose. And according to this passage of Scripture, anger that exists in us will never accomplish that plan. 
Now, I mentioned before we're going to unmask Satan's plan. I want to offer this to you, that the devil is sowing seeds of anger into the lives of people, believers and unbelievers alike, in an effort to thwart the plans of God. I mean, God has tremendous plans for you. He has tremendous plans for me. But if anger positions me to never accomplish those things, and my enemy desires me to never accomplish those things, then he's going to try to do that which would keep me from accomplishing those things. That's a mouthful. But Satan is trying to bring anger into our lives. He's sowing discord. He's stirring conflict. He's doing this, and he's doing this on purpose. It's not that he just has nothing better to do. He's very intentional. And the intention or the purpose between, uh, for sowing this conflict and bringing this, this discord is to produce anger. So that anger would abide or exist in you and in me and prevent us from carrying out the righteousness that God has called us to walk in. Anger is really nasty business. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture to reveal to you why this is such an effective uh, scheme, why this is such an effective plan that our enemy has, and why we need to uh, respond to it in a very biblical way. One reason is because anger is contagious. Now, in this day and in this age, dealing with uh, the coronavirus and uh, COVID-19, we're facing something that is highly contagious. We're celebrating, or maybe not celebrating, but embracing Uh, what they're calling social distancing, staying apart from each other, keeping a a distance between individuals and being careful not to touch the same things. Well, anger is contagious. The only reason why we would, would embrace this social distancing is to keep from spreading something. Well, according to the scripture, anger is highly contagious. It spreads very easily. I'll give you a passage out of the Proverbs, Proverbs 22. I want to read verses 24 and 25. It says, Do not associate with a man given to anger, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. I mean, it's an interesting passage of Scripture. I mean, basically, God is calling for social distancing as it concerns anger. Keep distance from those that are given to anger because it'll spread. According to this passage of Scripture, it says you will, you will learn his ways. I mean, a a, a way that that makes sense for me to read that is I will be affected by that person. An even better way to say that is to say I would be influenced by that person. Individuals that walk in anger or are given to anger spread that anger because anger is highly contagious. I mean, anger is a hindrance to the health and the life that God's called us to. I'll give you a passage of scripture out of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 11.10. It says, remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body. When we embrace anger, when anger becomes a part of us, it's even detrimental physically to our being. It has its effect in our mind, and it has its effect in our heart, but according to Ecclesiastes, it even has a physical effect. Anger has its effect on our ability to walk in freedom. If anger exists in our life, it's very difficult to walk in the liberty that Jesus has released us to. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 19 says, A man of great anger will bear the penalty, and if you rescue him you'll only have to do it again. It's an interesting passage of Scripture, and it's worth taking a moment to think about. It speaks of anger. It's going to have its negative result. 
And it says that when anger is a part of our lives, even when we're rescued, we're only going to need to be rescued again. I want to think about that for a moment, and I want to ask you to do the same. I mean, how many of us have had challenges or issues in our life that we've desired to see God set us free from? You know, Father, please get this out of my life. I don't want to talk to people like that. I don't want to think thoughts like that. I don't want to behave like that. But we're on a roller coaster of, of good days and bad days, highs and lows. We, we have to constantly apologize and repent for the same issues and the same challenges. Well, when I see that pattern in my life, I want to start searching my heart for anger. Because according to this scripture, anger is going to result in repeated offense. Where there's anger in a person's heart, even if they're rescued, even if they're pardoned, even if they're forgiven, based on the Proverbs, you'll only have to do it again. Now what that tells me is that the offense is simply the fruit. The root of the issue is the anger itself. And until we deal with the root, which is the anger, we're constantly going to have to deal with the fruit, season after season after season. Anger allows sin. I'll give you a passage of scripture from the psalm, Psalm 37, verse 8. It's a call for us to cease from anger. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. When anger is allowed in our life, when it's embraced, when it's celebrated in our thoughts or in our hearts, it opens the door for evil doing. There's a need for us to stop being angry and therefore we can stop sinning. I'll show you later on in the scripture an example of that that I believe is absolutely profound. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says, An angry man stirs up strife and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression." When I see people who are constantly stirring up strife, whether they're doing it directly or indirectly, whether it is aggressive or passive-aggressive, I'm understanding what's going on by seeing the influence, by seeing the effect, by seeing the result. But behind the scenes, the driving force for those things, according to this passage of Scripture, is an element of anger. I mean, when Satan can sow anger into our lives, when he can stir in us a spirit of anger, an attitude of anger, when our actions and attitudes can be the result of anger, he can keep us from accomplishing what God has equipped us and called us to accomplish. He can make us contagious so that we spread this disease to others and we prevent them from accomplishing what God has equipped and called them to accomplish. He can hinder the well-being in our body, in our flesh. He can derail the deliverance and the freedom that Jesus brings into our life. And he can open up the door for compromise, sin, and corruption to be the result of our thoughts and our words and our actions. Anger ultimately leads to judgment. Matthew chapter 5 verse 22 Jesus is speaking and he says these words, But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Now you could read right past that as you read the Gospels, especially a chapter as rich as Matthew 5. But I think we ought to stop there and look at that. Jesus who came to bring truth and grace into our lives is speaking to us about judgment. He's speaking to us about being guilty before the court. It ought to give us pause to take a look at what it is that he's saying. And I think it's interesting that he doesn't say, I tell you, everyone who sins and doesn't repent will be guilty before the court. But he talks about how we treat each other. 
how we feel toward each other. And he doesn't even make a difference between whether or not it's deserved. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had people do things to me or say things about me or, or be involved in one way, shape, or form in my life in a way where they were wrong. And I was the one who was wronged. They were the afflictor, and, and I was the afflicted. But even in that situation, Jesus would give no room, no cause for anger to exist between me and that individual. I say everyone who's angry with his brother, not just those who are angry without cause or angry without reason, but everyone. So if we allow anger, if we give in to the devil's plan, if we're, if we're uh, not sober in spirit or, or if we're stuck in a stupor or a slumber and we allow anger to enter into our lives, we allow that which is contagious and destructive to those around us, those whom we love, those whom we serve, we can affect them. We can hinder the joy and the, the healing that God brings into our life through Jesus. We can affect the freedom and the liberty that God has brought into our life by setting us free from corruption and sin, by stepping right back into it because anger opens the door for those things and then ultimately leads to judgment. Now, when I hear all of those things, I think, no wonder this is our enemy's plan. No wonder this is what he does day in and day out, morning, noon, night, sowing seeds of discord to bring anger that would result in all of this calamity. Now, God speaks about anger, and he's spoken about anger even from the beginning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Genesis. I want to look at Genesis chapter 4. Now, I mentioned before in the things that we were going to find in the Word, we were going to uncover the devil's plan, and we've done that, identifying that anger is his plan and his intention for our lives. The second thing that I mentioned, we were going to learn how to close the door to sin. And we see this here in Genesis chapter 4. Now, I want to paraphrase just a, a bit so that we can create some context, and then I want to look at some specific words. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, you can see a situation. I mean, I'm going to really paraphrase it. It's a situation in which somebody feels like they've been wronged. Now, in this situation, they weren't actually wronged, but they felt that way. And i got to tell you, that, that's been me before. There's been plenty of times where I felt like someone wronged me, they owed me, they did me wrong in some way or some shape or some form, and therefore, I was frustrated, I was disappointed, and on occasion, I was even angry. In this situation, there's an individual. The individual is Cain. Cain feels that he's been given the raw end of a deal. He, he feels like he did what he was supposed to do and didn't get the result. He feels like he's been ripped off. And he's watching someone else prosper while he's struggling, and it's not sitting well with him. Now, keep in mind, he's completely wrong, but he still feels this way. His feelings are real. His feelings are legitimate. Even though they're without cause or without merit, they're still real. I've been in that position, and I'm sure that you have too. And in this state of frustration, in this state of feeling ripped off, in this state of feeling wronged, anger begins to fester. Now, in a very loving and compassionate way, his heavenly Father speaks to him. God and Cain have a conversation. And you see it in Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. 
It reads like this. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Now that's a good question, and I think God is asking that question often to a lot of people. And I'll put myself at the top of the list. Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? I mean, I want to stop there for a second, because God isn't stepping in and saying, hey, Cain, you don't have any reason to feel sorry for yourself. Suck it up. But he's a loving and compassionate father. He realizes that, that there is turmoil inside this man's heart, that there is a war going on in his soul. And to help, to minister to this situation, he sits and bring af brings affirmation and encouragement. The affirmation, the idea that God himself would come and deal with this situation hands-on is incredibly powerful. That's not in the scripture to reveal some uh, favoritism that Cain had with God. Rather, that is how God relates to his children. That's how he relates to you and me even now today. Desiring to speak to us directly, to love on us directly, and to minister to us directly. To set us free from the anger that will derail all of the goodness that he's bringing into our lives. The affirmation there is wonderful. It's powerful. And then the questions. If you do well, don't you know you'll do better? I love the fact that he doesn't talk about what Cain did wrong. Now, this is really where I go wrong oftentimes, whether it's in raising children or, or marriage or even on occasion in, in counseling and, and trying to, to help people pastoring. You just want to point out what they did wrong. And so you stand and you deliver, and all you've done is you've beat them down, left them feeling uh, more worse than they did before we began the, the situation or the circumstance there that we were dealing with, and it's completely unproductive. But God, in all of his love, brings affirmation, and then he brings encouragement. He talks about the solution, not the problem. He's saying, hey, listen, get better. You can, you can do this. Don't you know if you just do it better, if you just do well... Pay attention to the details. You can get this. I know you can. I believe in you. I trust in you. I mean, what incredible words from a perfect father. I mean, it's a really powerful passage of Scripture, and it's hard for me not to get hung up on that because I believe that it is releasing and healing to every believer to see God in that light. And then he brings this word of warning. When you know God's heart, you realize it's not a threat. But it's a word of warning. His love for Cain is so profoundly powerful, it's very hard for us to relate to it, to wrap our minds around it. But we can understand that God's perfect love and his lack of insecurity is not issuing a threat when he tells Cain that if he doesn't do well, there's going to be a problem. Rather, it's a warning issued out of love and compassion, care, a desire to see Cain make the right choice and get the right result. It reads like this, if you're reading there in Genesis. He says, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. There's a lot there to think about. I mean, one, for me, I start to think about the door itself. The idea that sin comes and goes through a door. Sin has a point of entry into my life. 
I mean, I can spend my life trying to manage sin, but God is calling me to simply cut sin off. He's equipped and he has, has given me all that I need in Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, to be washed away from the impurity, the bondage and the addiction that makes that affliction an everyday activity in my life. And in that liberation, I then have the power to function and operate with the authority of his kingdom to do something. To do what? To shut the door. So that sin doesn't come and go at will. But we can close it out. And I've struggled with believers for years trying to help them manage the sin issues in their life. And when I read this passage of scripture, I see that we were dealing with the fruit of the issue and not the root. If we want to actually win the war against sin, one, it's going to require the blood of Jesus to be equipped with the power, the authority of holiness to do something. To operate in repentance and forgiveness. Taking away the foothold for anger and therefore closing the door that sin enters in and leaves through. It's time for us to stop dealing with the fruit and begin addressing the root. It's time for us to take a lesson from God's word so that we can do what he instructs. <clears throat> Follow his instruction. Close the door to sin and truly master it. Proverbs 25, 28 says that a city that is broken into and has no walls is the same as a man who has no control over his spirit. A man who's given to losing his temper or being angry is likened to a city that has no walls, no security system. It can be robbed. It can be overrun. It can be raided. It can be occupied. We've got to close those doors so that sin doesn't come and go at will. Proverbs 16.32 says, The one who's slow to anger is better than the mighty. And the one who can rule over his spirit is greater than the one who can capture a city. I mean, once again there, we see the benefits of security and stability. Not being robbed from, not being stolen from, not being taken advantage of by bandits, the bandits of sin. But having the opportunity to close the door to those things. And to live out our lives securely without the harassment of sin and the corruption that it brings. In dealing with anger, I want to understand excuse me, where it resides. I want to give you a passage of scripture, Ecclesiastes 7. I want to read verses 9 and 10. It says, do not be eager in your heart to be angry. For anger resides in the bosom of fools. Don't say, why is it that the former days were so much better than these? For it's not from wisdom that you say this. It's a little tricky, but I want to think about this. It's talking about anger, and it's talking about not allowing anger into our lives. It says that anger resides in this foolishness, and then it describes this foolishness as dwelling in the past. Thinking that yesterday was better than today. Being frustrated by loss or separation from what once was. Wishing that, once, what, wishing that what once was was current. 
It opens up the door for anger. It's a foolish way to live, and God's called us to live in wisdom. This is the wisdom that God's called us to live in. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Yesterday is gone. Today is the day that God's made. His plans, his intentions, his purpose for today is for me. And I will rejoice and I will be glad in that. We will let go of all of the pain of the past. We will release those things and we will embrace the now. That God is not finished with my life. That his Holy Spirit is flowing through me to release all of the kingdom of heaven in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to give you a key in how to defeat anger. I mentioned before we were going to receive a few things, unmasking the devil's plan, we've done that. How to close the door to sin, we've spoken about that. And then how to deny the devil opportunities to bring his theft, his murderous spirit, and the destruction that he brings into our lives. I want to give you a passage of scripture out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, I want to look at verses 26 and 27. They read like this. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. That passage of scripture reveals a lot to us. It reveals that how we manage every situation and every circumstance as it concerns anger either gives Satan an opportunity to bring destruction or it denies him that opportunity. No matter what's been done, no matter what the offense, how we respond to that offense either gives Satan an opportunity or it denies him one. We can give Satan opportunity by operating in offense. We can give Satan opportunity by allowing anger to overrun our thoughts and our hearts. We can give Satan opportunity by letting anger prevail. Or we can deny our enemy opportunity by responding to anger in the way that God would tell us to. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. I want to give you two thoughts on that as we close. One thought is time. I think of the length of a day and the sun going down, and when I read that passage of Scripture, I often think of that in the sense of time. Don't wait to deal with this. Address it now. If anger is allowed time, it will strengthen. It will get worse. It will fester like infection. We don't give anger time. We deal with it, and we deal with it quickly, graciously. But I want to give you another thought, a thought that, that occurs to me recently. In order for me to not give the devil opportunity as it concerns anger, the Bible's instructed me to not let the sun go down on it. When I think about that, I have to think, what does that mean? Now, I live in a place where I enjoy watching the sunset. And if I can get home from work in time, I enjoy sitting and watching the sunset and and if the temperature's right and, and everything's comfortable, I can remain out there and watch the sky just fade to different shades of color and then eventually go black. And on a clear night, then the stars are out and, and it becomes an altogether different experience. 
But one thing I know, when the sun goes down, it gets dark. Now, when I read this passage of Scripture, I have another impression. In order to deny Satan opportunities, as it concerns anger, don't let your anger go to a dark place. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't stop shining light on it. If you let it go into the dark, it will grow. It will fester. It will become so overwhelmingly effective and powerful, it will consume you. Don't let your anger go into the dark. Keep the light on it. Shine the light on it. Expose it with light. For us, that means expose our anger to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Let light shine on it. Even though it makes us feel frustrated that we have these feelings in the first place, when we can open up and share these thoughts and these feelings with Jesus, we'll be met with the same compassion that Cain was met with. Affirmation and encouragement to lead us out of that place where anger can derail God's righteous plans for our life and into that place where we accomplish his will and his righteousness. I want to pray with you. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We rejoice in your kindness and your goodness. We renounce anger in all of its effects on our lives. Let our minds and our hearts be given to see anger for what it is, the scheme and the plan of our enemy. And let our lives be given to surrender to you, to receive your direction, your counsel, to be led out of the destructive patterns of anger and to be led in to your righteousness and your perfect will for our lives. We bless your name and we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.